Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from 4 Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it mm. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars hello and welcome to the show once again as we head across the ditch for this edition of inside supercars from the new zealand herald it's great to have back on the show eric thompson Hi guys, how are you? I'm very well, as is Race Facts' Tony Whitlock, who is enjoying a, an extra bit of time over in the land of the long white cloud. One weekend at Pukekohe was not enough motor racing for you, Tony. No, no, but there was something beckoning down at Highlands Park, a, a GT final with uh, all those McLarens and Audis and a bunch of Australians wanting to show their best. Well, uh, we're going to talk about that for sure a little bit later on the show. But James, James, Jamie Winkup, I should say, Jamie Winkup and the JR Trophy, he certainly did put a exclamation point against his weekend at Pukekohe, Eric. Well, he certainly did. And, I mean, it, it, was, it was truly like watching Winkup at his best and a, and a beautiful purple patch from this year. You know, he struggled a bit. They swapped engineers backwards and forwards. And, um, you know, he's tasted a little bit of success around here at old Pukekohe before. But um, he certainly was the man on fire that round. And I thought it was quite not. I mean, well, I'm, I'm a bit, guys, I'm, I'm a bit split on this one. Craig and Tony, simply because it's the Jason Richards Memorial Trophy you know, for a Kiwi. And it's the, it's the third bloody time you guys are actually taking it back across the ditch. <laughs> However... <laughs> However, having said that, at least Wincut was a teammate, I think, back in 2005? Yep, yeah, that sounds about right. Yep, yep. So, um, so, you know, I think it's great that as a team, you know, he used to be a teammate of Jason, so I think that it's a bit of salve mm-hmm. on it. But no, I thought he was, he, he sort of certainly showed a clean, a clean pair of heels to a number of drivers. Mm. And interestingly, a number of... Uh, a number of New Zealand drivers have been recognised over the years by V8 supercars with memorial trophies, of course, Mark Porter being uh, another one that comes immediately to mind. Yeah, and I, I, I agree totally with Eric that it was fitting. I mean, Jamie got his first podium uh, alongside Jason in 05 and at Bathurst, and uh, uh, I think it really did mean something to Jamie, something of, of quite significance, not just a, a race win and round win in the old uh, style. Mm. Eric, you were going to talk about uh, the the number of memorial trophies for New Zealand drivers? I mean, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, really, isn't it, Craig, unfortunately? Um, both of them had sort of unfortunate early demises, but at least they've been um, recognised, yeah, I say. That is true. And I think the one, it's great that we've got a couple, but it's also, you've, of course, got the Peter Brock Trophy. Indeed. Um, the Bathurst. And I think it is fantastic that these guys are sort of honoured in a, in, a, in a good way, rather than too much sort of moroseness and sort of hand-wringing and wearing of hair shirts. You know, these guys really, you know, appreciate their, their former um, race colleagues and combatants and the way they go. And Jay, Jamie's comment was he was actually pleased to actually win one of the bigger trophies of the championship. Mm. So yes. It'll be interesting to see how he goes, actually. Guys, later on, you know, in the tail end of the season. 
it is going to be interesting to see if they can keep this momentum alive. Also interesting to see if that uh, if if Red Bull Racing Tony are in a similar position later on in the season. The championship's still at bay. Does Jamie's tyres and I go in inverted commas start to deteriorate a bit quicker than what Craig's do? <laughs> I, I strongly doubt it. I think Roland has shown a, uh, a strong preference over the years to allow his boys to to race, and I don't think that uh, they would do that. I mean, far more important in Roland's mind um, is a team's championship and place in uh, pit lane. Um, the only time I remember them actually, uh, Craig was the, the uh, unfortunate benefactor of uh, Tasmania a couple of years back when uh, Jamie took him out. So I don't think that will come into play. I think it'll be you know too much importance on uh, them racing the, themselves, each other as uh, everyone else. Mm. Of course, the one-two finish at Bathurst in the Vodafone cars, Jamie had the quicker car. He was closing in on Craig, but he made the call to say, we'll do a staged finish. I'm not going to tell him I'm not going to try and pass him. And, of course, I think uh, Roland still credits that with being one of the greatest achievements of his team, Eric. Um, yes, he does. And I think, I think you did touch on it earlier, Craig, and, uh, talking about how he, um, Roland Dane does actually let the guys go about their business. Um, but it'll be interesting to see this year, especially with the changes, if Craig is still, you know, challenging at the last round, and especially now that there's been a bit of a sort of a pretty big rejig at Red Bull Racing Australia next year, with, with, you know, with Craig and another sort of, not, I don't know whether the right phrase is autonomous, but, but not fully under the umbrella, is whether they, they, might, they might think it's a bit of a swan song, they might get them to win a champ, you know, another championship, first, first one in well, the century it'll be. Mm. But I think Ron will just let them, you know, how, how, the cards, how the cards fall. Shall we say? Yeah. Now, the Craig Lowndes accident on Saturday, Tony, it was a, a very scary moment. Any time you leave the circuit with only three wheels at 240, 250 kilometres an hour, you know that it doesn't end well. But remarkably, yeah. uh, the cars, the integrity of these new cars is just so good. We uh, have once again seen a horrific accident with minimal injuries to driver. Yeah, one of the significant things was about it that it was centralised in that front left-hand corner. I mean, and it was pretty ugly underneath there. The front rail was bent and the uh, the cross member um, had to be straightened. Um, but, you know, I mean, it was signed off by V8 Tech. Um, the important part was that the, 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 the damage was centralised. You know, it wasn't all up and down and both ends and sort of things like that. Um, but, yeah, while it's not NASCAR-like in adding a new clip, it's a hell of a lot better than, say, when you're, um, you're referring to, say, a Green's Tough Falcon, um, you know, which was an absolute demolition job on every corner of the car. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, for instance, you know, Chaz's uh, uh, crash, that car will never see the light of day again, you know, in Bathurst. Well, Eric, I'll put the question to you since uh, Tony has raised it. Was this... Was this rebuild of Craig Lowndes' car of the magnitude and the calibre of the Green Stuff Falcon at Bathurst? Um, probably not, actually, because like it was that um, where the tyre exploded in the, in the left rear corner, which just destroyed all the panoramic and down there, and it was, if you could sort of say, it's a strange, strange phrase. I always I'd sort of tend to use before, so sort of it was localised. 
if that makes you know, any sense to the listeners, to the damage of it. But I was very impressed with V8 supercars, tech people, allowing the car to go off-site and get, and get thrown you know, at a local Pukakoi panel beaters. You know, I, I thought that was quite a, you know, that didn't make too much, too much noise, but normally these category technical engineering pods are sticklers for, you know, sticking to the rule book. But, you know, to get it off-site, to get it repaired so that um, Craig Lowndes could get back on the grid, um, I'm not too sure whether they did it to keep the championship alive or whether it was for the Kiwi fans or whatever. Not overly bothered. I just think that was a really good call. But back to what you guys are talking about and the magnitude of the Green Tough car or um, Chaz's car or even that um, Fabian Coulthard five-time rollover a couple of years ago, that's destroying a car. Mm, Indeed. And... uh... Tony, talking about taking the car off-site, up until a few years ago at every V8 round on the mainland of Australia, you had the TAF team, which had all the standard equipment travelling with the circus that you would find in a panel beater repair shop. That has stopped. Tony Warriner, of course, passed away earlier this year. And it, it, it does now mean that these sort of accidents, if teams want to keep in the in the event, they are going to have to go off-site to that specialised equipment now. Well, yeah, they, in fact, Smash Repair Team, as they were known as, they did travel to New Zealand once or twice. Um, the biggest thing that happened was, and I suppose it goes back almost 10 years ago, that the teams stopped using the Smash Repair Team um, because they didn't want, they wanted to retain control of their own um, uh, their own integrity, you know, I can't think of the right word at the moment, uh, intellectual property. You know, they didn't want it outside with somebody else. Um, so they kept it uh, within. Um, and uh, it didn't surprise me at all that it was allowed to go out, but um, they, they've all been self-contained. And, and while they didn't have all quite all the bits, they didn't have another cross member and a few other bits and pieces, they did have all the things they needed to, to make it right again once they'd actually put it on a rack and stretched it. So, the amount of damage, Tony, the comeback for Craig to finish second on Sunday, it is remarkable. No matter how localised it was, it was significant. And to think that they could put the car back in the course of what would have been 16 hours, I guess, to a performance level where it could run second was amazing. Yeah, look, it it really, without sort of being smart-ass about it, um, it doesn't surprise me they can do that because... You know, these cars are, you know, are built using lasers to get things straight and, you know, they make things and jigs and, you know, cut metal with lasers so that, you know, get it back there. It wasn't very pretty looking apparently underneath, but it was all there in the right places. And as Craig showed, um, that, you know, it was good enough to, to get him back up there and, uh, yeah, it's bringing one to, you know, quite demonstrably um, over the last two or three race meetings, um they, Triple Eight, have uh, returned back to to have the form they did earlier. And the significant thing about it was the fact that that was a a pace they had on both a hard and a soft tyre. Well, Eric, Tony might not think it was remarkable, but considering we had 25 cars out there that had all weekend to get their car right and they couldn't get it to the pace of Jamie Wincups, I still reckon a complete rebuild in, in 16 hours is impressive. Yeah, I, do. I don't tend to agree with Tony on that. I think it is quite impressive. impressive that, um, I, And I fully understand that modern technology with laser cutters and 3D printers and, 
and everybody's got jigs for these things and bits and pieces. But the, the jig thing is quite interesting because I'm pretty sure that old Smash Repairs or whatever it was in Pukekohe probably wouldn't have had a, a, a jig or a rejig for the V8 supercar chassis. So somebody must have had to sort of number crunch some numbers to get that right. But it's also the mental fortitude of Lowndes, I think, is fantastic. You know, you come down 250 kilometres an hour, you start going backwards and sideways. You get a, a rush job to, to fix the thing, and as Tony touched underneath it, and, and, and I heard the same thing, it, you know, it wasn't a pretty sight underneath there, and just to lock that away in the back of your mind somewhere and just, just pull the pin is quite, is, I think, is, is, is quite impressive. Mm, yes, indeed. Look, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars, but plenty more when we return. Don't forget you can listen to the show in a multitude of different ways, including Stitcher, the Stitcher service now in many cars around the world. So make sure you look for Inside Supercars there. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bought Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with uh, Tony Whitlock and Eric Thompson. And uh, David Reynolds is an interesting conundrum. Tony Whitlock, he's certainly a quick driver. He is inconsistent, but you always want a driver who's fast, not a driver who can keep the car going because you can't teach fast. You can teach reliability. Yeah. Easier to uh, mile down a wild boy than a wild up a mild one. Um, it didn't surprise me at all, David, getting a pole uh, and getting a win. Um he is more motivated probably now than he ever has been because he has clearly been uh, smacked over the back of the head for his very large mistake uh, in a press conference at Bathurst and a series of mistakes. It wasn't just one. Um, he was in line to get a very much larger financial penalty, but there, somebody used some common sense and it was cut back. It could have been 10 times the penalty he did get of 25000 Um so I wasn't surprised at all. I uh, rather was amused at a comment I heard about someone saying that uh, after the win on Saturday that now he decides to grow some balls because it was a wonderful job he did in regaining after he had uh, near lost the uh, lead in that race to Jamie. That was something um, old school that uh, David pulled out and, and regained the place that he nearly lost. Um, so... I think he is wanting to well and truly show that he's not the fool and that uh, he uh, had portrayed himself to be a Bathurst. Eric, do you believe what you saw on the weekend makes him a genuine title contender? Yeah, if he keeps his tail feathers up like that and um, just being consistently quick. I mean, David, I've known David even when he was racing back here in the Career Cup season um, championship when, when, when we had one four or five years ago, and I got to know him well then. He was always the joker in the pack. I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm probably in the minority here. I like the guy. I like the way he speaks his mind. 
nothing ever says is malicious or personal or anything like that. And I'll put my hand on my heart and a marker out there, gentlemen. I think it was the PC brigade gone mad. It was quite a funny comment. Nothing bad was meant about it. And I like it that the sport has got somebody like that in him. And he can be genuinely quick on his day. And now that he's got a sniff of a championship here, I think... Man, I'd, you know, if I had a lazy fiver, I'd put it on him to actually maybe just sneak up and snatch this thing off um, Mark Winterbottom. But Winterbottom would have to have another weekend like he did at Pukekohe. Oh, worse. You know, worse, and, worse to do that. He only dropped 18 points, Eric. He only dropped 18 points. <laughs> yeah, I know he dropped 18 points, but, you know, like, um, he's, you know, it was he could have picked up 38 points there. I mean, we'll see what the mental fortitude is. But I think with Reynolds in the mix there, it's great. I mean, wouldn't it be hilarious, guys, if he takes the number one plate to Betty's um, Erebus team? That would be a great oh, shake-up. That would make it well exciting, yeah. not like Formula One. It, it yeah, will also look, I, would... I've, I've been in Dave's corner since Formula Four days, and I've played a, a role in trying to help him focus on things back in Korea Cup after his first couple of weekends when he tried to ride off cars at Albert Park and Adelaide. So, you know, there's no doubt about it. Dave has got the speed and he's got the capabilities. He made himself toxic to sponsors. And sponsors, that bottle car could have been parked on Friday at Bathurst. Such was the sponsor's anger. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, I don't think it's totally... It's not just that one comment. It was a number of things that were said over a period of time. It's unfortunate. And he used bad judgment in the way in which it happened. So, you know, political correctness gone wrong, you know, gone mad. Nah, it was a silly comment, yes, but it was on top of other things as well. And, uh, it, you know, crying shame that he, he's going to be an Erebus. Um, it's only a one-year contract. Um, he's going to be in a place where his Betty is going to take care of him. Well, you know. We know he's, he should be uh, in a better place, and hopefully he will be in uh, 2017. Mm. All right. Well, Scott Pye's podium, the captain, Roger Penske, he uh, certainly made a bit of a splash on Friday, opening businesses in, in New Zealand, or uh, I guess relaunching in a, in a bigger way would be the more correct term, Eric. But uh, his team certainly have been making the right moves right throughout this season. Oh, he certainly has, and I think that was probably... Scotty Price sort of crowning, uh, crowning glory then, really, picking up a podium in front of his boss. And he, and he did it very well, consummately did it very well. It wasn't sort of Lady Luck didn't have too much to do it. He just drove extraordinarily well. But isn't it funny how, you know, when you get people like we're touching on David Reynolds has sort of come to the fore and has got his head down and bum up and, you know, nose to the grind wheel and going about what he should have probably been doing two or three years ago. And Scotty Pye, you know, now that he's, now that Reynolds is on the outer and it was old Scotty Pine now knowing that uh, you know his big boss is there and knowing that um, Fabian Coulthard is going to go to the team next year to be a two-car two team and he suddenly just ponied up and I think it just caused, the, caused everybody to focus on what they actually going to go about between now and the end of the season so um, but he drove really well I was quite impressed actually for the young fella He's a solid driver isn't he Tony he, he just understands the craft he's learning uh, sedan car racing because let's face it he was he was on an open wheel path for the majority of his career yeah and uh, then ground to a halt when he ran out of money with even with Rollins backing he had to come back to Australia look the wonderful thing he is yet another of the six guys who are going to be plus guys in 2016 you know he's going to have a real benefit in having another 
driver in the same car uh, as he is in um, and having you know more engineering in their corner with Phil Keed there, that he's another one is just going to have that much more as a tool to, to help with his speed. And so I, I think that... I don't think he's going to be a contender next year, but I certainly think by 2017-18 uh, that Scott Pye is certainly one on the list of three, four, five that will be uh, pushing for a title. Mm. Now, one driver who's had success at Pukekohe before and last year had a, had a breakout year was Scott McLaughlin. And, Eric, uh, I, what was the reaction to Scott McLaughlin coming into this year? Um, the reaction at the start of the year was, especially after 2014, was a lot of fans and commentators here in New Zealand said, you know, he's going to be a genuine contender. I always thought, and you know, I'm not going to hindsight, but the thing is, I think that was a breakout year, as every driver does, and I think this year has been more of a grind. I mean, I've spoken to Scotty a few times and to Gary about, you know, why the mechanical issues, all that sort of things. But if you remember back um, to his um, first teammate at Volvo, he had a lot of issues and mechanical dramas where Scotty's car just flew. Now, he's had a few issues, but now recently, the last couple of rounds, they seem to have got the thing working. He's been more consistent. But one of the things I will say about Scott, he's always been scintillating in qualifying, but it normally hasn't translated on a regular, consistent basis into either podiums, you know, a few podiums, but not so much in race wins. And he was, after the weekend finished, he was pretty disappointed that he couldn't just quite convert that qualifying pace that he had all weekend into picking up the race win and the feature race. But when the category decided to um, put everybody on softs and then compulsory full, uh, fuel stop change of tyres, he said, his team said, they just threw their strategy right out the window. So it was always going to be a bit of a struggle. Mm. Tony? It's taken, um, yeah, it's taken GRM until Townsville for Scotty to get his first pole this year. It happened a lot quicker last year. So it's taken them all year to get that first poll, and they've now had four of them for the year, so that's a pretty good ratio. The unfortunate thing is they're always polls that happen on Sundays, which suggests, of course, it takes them two days or a third day to actually get it right, um, which is not a good way. That's not a good sign for a team that they're taking so long over a race weekend to get there. Mm. So they're definitely a better team, and they'll be better next year because they'll have two cars that'll be vying for a top 10 position. Um, and, you know, clearly the kid is going to be a, a champion in the next two, three, four years. Mm. Well, we need to take a break, but we do need to talk about Frosty Winterbottom on the other side. This is Inside Supercars. I hope you'll stay with us. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian title since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Eric Thompson, Tony Whitlock joining me, Craig Ravel. And Eric, we've touched on 
uh, Frosty Winterbottom before and the weekend that he had, although he didn't lose a, a massive amount of points in the championship, so easily it could have gone a lot more pear-shaped for him. And interestingly enough, his team owner, Tim Edwards, when he got spun round on Sunday, blamed the Holden cars, but it turned out in the post-race review that it was actually his standing teammate, Cam Waters, that set about the whole set of uh, chain reaction that saw him spinning around in turn eight. Um, yeah, it's funny, afterwards, after the press conference and everything like that, some of us were chatting about that. So thinking back and looking back on the replays, you know, it was. But it was really funny. Coming into this weekend, I thought Mark was on for a really good show, of maybe not cleaning up, but doing really well here. You know, he was the Jason Richards Memorial Trophy holder. He won a race last year. You know, he always looked good, but it just didn't seem to be. And when I was chatting to him, nobody could really put their finger on exactly why they couldn't get qualifying sort of squared away and nailed. And even in the race, it's almost like on the two races on Saturday, he was invisible. You know, he wasn't really passing anybody or nobody was passing him. And suddenly when the flag went down, he sort of finished where he started sort of thing. And then, of course, on Sunday's race, it all just went horribly wrong right from the very beginning. And again, because of the whole strategy and the tyres and everything, that basically was his race done. But you've got to put your hand up for the man, 23rd, at the beginning of the race and to finish 14th again in a field. You know, that's pretty, it's got a lot of depth and a lot of talent and on a track that really isn't known for its passing. So, and as um, we mentioned earlier, I, you know, I'd forgotten he'd only dropped, as Tony said, he'd only dropped 18 points over the whole weekend. He would have thought it would have been a hell of a lot more. Yeah, he actually finished 11th on Sunday. Um, and, yeah, did a hell of a job. Uh, <laughs> and until that ridiculous um, penalty just for uh, Waters... Um, he should have been up there as well. I mean, I, I cannot understand how he was the only one penalised when Tanda clearly went down one side, uh, Waters in the middle, and Courtney's on the other side. And Courtney was the big loser, isn't it? but um, Waters should have been up there as well. Mm. Yeah, it, it was interesting, and it, it's one of those ones where they said, well, you waited to the end of the race for Frosty. Why didn't you wait to the race, end of the race for Cam Waters? But it did help out his teammates so all yeah, in all yeah. net loss to Cam Waters but a gain to uh, Winterbottom but uh, talking about the setup and just not finding the setup it's interesting what pressure does Tony and pressure along with a new teammate who's not necessarily going to attune the car as quickly as uh, um, as Chas Mostert could does put a lot more pressure on the championship leader yeah, I mean, there's a reason he's a leader, and of course he's won more races than Chaz. Chaz is still learning. I mean, Chaz is probably two years in front of Cam, but if you think back last year, Cam Waters in the development series, you think, no way, no one would you put him in a main game car. Now he's developed that much. And, you know, the rate of development of these kids is extraordinary. I mean, we're talking here about 20-year-old kids, and that it was not that long ago that, you know, Glenn Seaton's in the world would be winning all the time, and they were in their mid-30s when they were doing that still. So, you know, kids in racing nowadays are far more talented, far more uh, race-worthy um, than they, they were some years back. You know, the, the age of uh, the young is well and truly there, that they have the ability to, 
to be fast, uh, to get good positions in qualifying and then to, to race. And I think that um, the rate of improvement in CAM is quite demonstrable and that um, it will continue. I, one thing I was going to actually say, I, I make the stupid mistake every so often of reading forums or comments after stories or websites. I'd have to say motorsport accumulates some of the biggest idiots out there who read these things and post things, and they've got no idea at all about the sport. No idea. Bad-mouthing cams and chasses and Mark Winterbottoms and all these people that really don't deserve these bad comments. They are just idiots, and they should keep their comments themselves. Mm. All right, Eric, uh, do you think, knowing the politics at ProDrive Racing Australia, will they contrive to make sure the five is always ahead of the 55? Um... I mean, I, it, it, they'll probably go no, but I have a sneaking suspicion that they might do. You know, they might get you know Ham to sort of fly as a as a wingman, bit of a blocker or something, because he's not in contention. It would have been interesting to see if. Well, I think if Chaz had actually rode in the last couple of rounds, I think we'd be talking about him as one of the youngest championship winners of all time. But um, that's not to be, unfortunately. And you know, lucky enough, the guy's on recovery and. Yeah, and he'll be back with a vengeance. But I think they might do because um, he's hasn't won a what twelve years in the main game. Mark hasn't won a championship. I think it'd be good on the back of the Bathurst success a couple of years ago to actually for the Ford team to actually get a you know a championship title as the preferred well not manufacturer anymore, but you guys know what I mean mm-hmm. as the leading yeah. light of the um, of the Ford cars to actually get you know to win the championship but you know he still was 238 points two rounds to go um, I I think he'll probably do it on his own but I've got a sneaking suspicion you know there might be the odd team order to say look if you're both going for a corner or you're both going you know for, for the win and, and if Cam's trying don't do anything stupid just hold back a bit mm. you know your time will come you know that sort of thing I hope would come out but hey Tony stay away from that wild west the narcissistic yeah. domain of um, forums. It doesn't do your heart any good, my friend. <laughs> hey, uh, what about you, Tony? Do you think Dave Reynolds is going to be at a significant disadvantage for the rest of the season? Uh, I, I can't see it, but yes, of course, the, the title will be very precious. I think it would be a crying shame not for Dave to win the title. I think it would be terrific for him, personally, as a driver. Um it would be a crushing blow on Mark, but I certainly would hate to see number one being put on the side of Mercedes. All right. <laughs> uh, of course, it would be the second time in six years that that's happened. Yes, I know, and I hated the last time it happened as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, to me, some, to, to me, something like a, a number. Yes, it, it certainly. Uh, you know, a team wins it with a driver, all those sort of things. But for a driver to be able to take that number to somebody else, I just think that ain't good. The other thing is, of course, um, Eric, is the 55 is Rod Nash's number. That's the number he's raced in Vert Supercars. It's His father raced in Speedway with it. Yes, yeah, the 55 <laughs> means a lot to the Nash family, means a lot to Rod Nash, and I am sure he would love the 55 to be the number one as much as he would love Mark to be the number one. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, yeah, he might have a few sleepless nights 
trying to work that one through. <laughs> good, good luck for him for having that dilemma. That's all I can That's say. Right. Yes, There's exactly. a lot of teams, other teams would like to have that dilemma. Oh, my God, which one of my boys is going to win the title? <laughs> <laughs> we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. Bloody more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Eric Thompson joining me, Craig Ravel. And guys, it looks like Marcus has made the decision or made the call. He won't be back in a V8 supercar. Eric, at the beginning of the year, was there a lot of buzz about Ambrose coming to New Zealand? And did it, did because it happened so early in the year after the Grand Prix, did that just mean that everyone just went, oh, we're not going to see it? Well, there was a little bit, not a lot. I mean, mainly it all hung around the Ambrose Murphy stouch back in the day that still on YouTube and people still mention everything like that. But because Murph doesn't race, doesn't even race anymore now, let alone full time, in the V8 supercars, I think it would have made more of a splash here if the two of them were ended up on the same track at the same time. That's when it would have kicked off here. But other than that, I think he'd been away for nine years, eight, nine years, something like that. And um, although there's a big fan base of the V8 supercars here, it doesn't get much traction news-wise in the print media. Social media, yes, of course. But on a personal level, I, I, I thought it was a brave move. I always knew that he'd be a little bit shocked by the sheer depth of talent. I mean, you could, I think I, I'd put hand on heart and probably say eight or nine years ago you'd have five or six drivers that would be, you know, in with a, a good to decent chance of winning a race. Now it's got to be, what, 14, 15? Well, Tony, you're the, the numbers, man. different. And all the young, you guys have touched on the young guys. Guys, 20, you know, 21, 23, McLaughlin, Van Gisburg, all these guys. You know, Walter Scott High, you know, back in his day when he was racing, there would have been anybody under what, 28? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And and four cars that could normally win. Yeah. Now you've got 13, 14 of them. So I think he's just, I think it's come as he's just run into a brick wall, picked himself off the ground and gone, holy yes, expletive, expletive T and going, I don't want to spend two years trying to get up to speed he, where I might challenge for a top five finish. He, the thing is, he raced twice as long in NASCAR as he did in V8s, more than twice mm. as long. And so he picked up a whole bunch of, you couldn't call them bad habits, but they were certainly habits that were not transferable at all to a V8 supercar. I mean, it, it is quite irony in the fact when you, you, you're you watching a, uh, a NASCAR race from Watkins Glen or something, they talk about Mark Corris Ambrose, he's the finest road racer in the world, you know, sort of thing. And if they've been watching earlier this year and they're going, holy hell, he's only 24. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> what are those other guys like? <laughs> yeah, you had a double whammy there. You had a brand new car and a brand new driver. So Absolutely. You, you know, it was it was the perfect storm for... Um, for things to go wrong. 
And uh, I think we saw at Bathurst, the Sandown and the Gold Coast, he, he put in far more credible performances there than at the Yeah, Canadian. and of course, because at each of those places he did have, have seat time. Um, when he started in 03, 04, there were nowhere near the testing limitations that there are now. And so he could actually go out to Queensland Raceway and spend time getting his, himself right in the seat. Yeah, indeed. Yep. Now, Super Black Racing, uh, Eric, where's that sitting in the in the motorsports psyche at the moment, and how have you assessed their first full time season? Um, in a car that should be circulating in the top five, I'm a little bit. Well, I'm not that disappointed. I think it was a big step up for um, Andre. To be honest, I can understand Tony Lentino's need to, well, no, his personal want to put a Kiwi driver in it. But I think the opportunity of getting your hands on that car and coming out of that garage, I, I, you know, to me, being a, you know, I'm, I'm a Kiwi, I, I like being a Kiwi, I like having my Kiwi passport. But if you want, you know, super black racing to actually do something, they should have just stuck somebody with a really good pedigree in the car, got it circulating top five finishes or even top eight finishes, and then maybe, you know, get all the sponsors on board and then have a two-car team in 2016 or 17 and get a young Kiwi driver in it now. I mean, if you think of Pukakaui, that was... Andre, Andre Hungan that came out in the press just saying he's done, you know, he's had more laps around there than he's had dinners. And yet the guy was, a well, he's backpedalling all the way down the field again, like a really disappointing weekend for him and the team. So it's not going to do the psyche of the team much good. Tony? Take a new driver into the series um, that hasn't raced uh, regularly in the series, may have done development series or not, um, it's going to be a two- or three-year process. And anyone who doesn't think that is really not knowledgeable on what it should be doing. So, therefore, you know, if Tony Lentino said, you know, yes, we're going to have a team, yes, we're going to have a New Zealander, okay, we're going to put this green kid in here. Andre, I think, has earned his stripes this year to have a second year. Whether that happens or not, whether there's enough financial pressure that he's going to lose his seat, that's for Tony Lentino to, to work out and whether Peter's going to... Peter's certainly worthy of earning the, the drive on his own merit, let alone with some money brought in. But, um, you know, I, I think Andre should get a second year. He has demonstrated on a number of times that he can go quickly. He's got racecrafts, you know, seriously to learn. Eric, who would you have put in the car? You And not... Just from the New Zealand point of view, who would you put in the car? Who's who do you think is the strongest driver in the in the country or in Australia currently? I mean, it's an interesting sort of thinking about it. I mean, you know, I practically with one side of my head on, sort of going, well, um, who would have had the who would have been available? But you mean in sort of like a like a wish list? I would have thought Fabian Coulthard would have been a good call. Yeah, no, I, you ha- you had, they had to be uncontracted. They had to be able to come in this year. Oh, to come in, what, 2015? Oh, well, I can't remember who was uncontracted. Yeah. Well, Fabian wasn't. Scotty no, McLaughlin um, wasn't. Shane Van Gisbergen wasn't. No, yeah, even out of the Aussie drivers. Well, they were, they were, yeah, I, I'd go for a New Zealand passport. You know, Greg Murphy, Greg Murphy, but he, uh, he was past his best. I, I think that would have been a step backwards. I know a lot of people over here mentioned that, and I put my hand up and just said, that's a step backwards. Yeah. You know... Um, maybe a Steve Owen. Somebody like him. He, he lacks the important thing, I think. Credibility 
And we've been through this once before with Team Kiwi. Yes, they did have New Zealanders for a while, and yes, they were certainly learning and all those sort of things. But I think if you start putting an Australian in that, you just lose all credibility for a New Zealand team. Mm. Oh, yeah, you do. But then again, I'm, I'm sort of thinking that, that whole... Uh, to me, it's old-school thinking. It's a New Zealand team. Pump the chest, boom, boom. We've got to have a New Zealand driver. I should. I think it should be. Everything should be surrounded or predicated on. It's a New Zealand-based team out of Wellsford. You know, it's a New Zealand team, and use it as a as a feeder for, for you know, in two or three years' time, as a feeder for young Kiwi drivers to actually get in to the main game. I mean, I agree with Tony to a certain degree that Chris Pitha. I think he's probably the, the, the front runner at the moment. You know, he's earned his stripes. In fact, you guys might. Did he not win a? VAU Championship a couple of years ago. Yes, he did. Yes, yes he did. Yeah. Um, so he's won that, and he's been okay. You know, pretty good, pretty useful peddler in the development series. Chris, so, and he knows. Chris unfortunately was badly crucified in that accident where Mark Porter died. Not Mark Porter died. Where um, um, Keys wheel, Paul wheel had the uh, the shunt. Oh, um, yeah. In that, Chris was charged and penalised, and he shouldn't have been, and he was very badly treated. Badly treated by cams, badly treated by V8 supercars. He didn't deserve any of that because I spoke to damn near every driver involved in that whole thing. And Chris was very lucky that he didn't actually kill Paul Wheel. He was good enough to actually get the car arms onto the B pillar, not the A pillar. Mm. So um, Chris, I think, has earned his his drive there. And if he gets it, he's there as much for his ability as maybe some money he brings. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. As much as his ability, so probably him, but. You know, I think there's a couple of the V8 supercar, if you're going to look more broader or widely, the um, some of the co-drivers that we've seen punting yeah. around that, are, you know, they've been pretty quick this year, some of those co-drivers. Stephen Richards even yeah. would qualify yeah. as a quasi-New Zealander too, wouldn't Absolutely, he? Absolutely, but he's, yeah. you know, like Greg Murphy, you, you're then turning the clock back. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Hey, let's let's have a quick chat about the merger of New Zealand touring cars just before we wrap up this segment, because it... It, some say it's long overdue. Some say it was always doomed to fail, the uh, New Zealand Super Tours. But I think it did do something over there in New Zealand, which was, you know, ring a few, ring a few uh, um, heads together to say we don't always have to do it the same way. Eric, am, have I, am I completely off the mark there? Are you talking about the Super Tourers? I'm talking about now that we've got the merger, but... Was... Oh, the merger's fantastic. Everybody's kissed and made up and all back in the same big double bed. That's fantastic. <laughs> Super Tourers was doomed right from day one. And I said it, you can research my piece, I said right from day one. That was always going to end in tears, well, because of some of the organisers, Mark Patch, who I'm sure a lot of listeners will know of. His reputation precedes him greatly. <laughs> as somebody not to do motor racing business with. Uh, I won't go any further than that because I know I'm a public <laughs> radio station. But and 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 also some of the other people behind the scenes that a lot of people didn't see that were only there for their own self gratification. Um, the whole thing was supposed to be a two hundred and ten thousand dollar turnkey car, like Wheeler on the Good Girl Racing. It turned out to be damn near half a million, and there were bits failing. It was just went on and on and on and on and on, and. Um, now, at least they've merged. Parity, I mean, people throw that word parity around a lot. I'm not overly bothered about parity. I mean, these cars, the, the opening round at Taupo, you had the, um, the New Zealand V8 won a race, the Super Tour old Super Tour car won a race, 
because Taupo suited the New Zealand TLX cars. Pukakoe, for what it's like, suited the super tourists. He had um, young Simon Evans picking up a couple of wins, but reverse grids. He had Craig Baird, the old stager in the TLX car, you know, winning a race. So the more they work on the parity, the better it'll be. And, and from the fan feedback that I got, because I went and sat in the, the bleachers and the stands to watch that race and talked to a whole lot of fans, and they just loved seeing 20-odd cars on the grid. You know, up till then there were five, six, eight, seven. It was a farce. At least now, full grids, and it's no, Motorsport New Zealand has nothing to do with the promotion of the site anymore. Those dysfunctional idiots have got nothing to do with promoting the sport anymore. It's been done professionally, a lot of support classes. So, yep, I reckon it's got legs now, gentlemen. I felt like I was just interviewing Tony Quinn again, Tony Whitlock. <laughs> and, uh, it's interesting I should bring him up because of the Highlands 101. You're off to... Oh, can, I, can I just say on the Super Series, oh, it's not Super Series, the combined field, it's only its second round they've just had the combined one. I think it's too early to say it is success, but I agree with uh, what Eric had said. It is terrific to see a grid full of cars. And that's what's great. Um, you know, obviously, seven litres at uh, Pookie versus five makes it very difficult for them. But it certainly is a long way down the road to getting some stability back in the in the category or back, back in New Zealand motor racing. Mm. Tony Quinn, Highland Park, yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> well, that's about it, really. <laughs> I mean, Tony, I like, I like the guy. I really, truly like the bloke. I love interviewing him. He marches to his own tomb. He loves building fiefdoms in motorsport. If we don't have people globally in motorsport like the, the likes of Tony Quinn, motorsport wouldn't be where it is. Mm. Guys, they've got a passion for it. Gentlemen races, shed loads of money, rock up somewhere and say, build a track, do it my way, everybody come and race. That's, you know, how can you be cross about it? You may not like the way it's been done. but And he's got the your guys' GT series over here next week. Yes, yeah, that's what you're off to, isn't it, Tony, next weekend? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and in fact, interestingly, next year, the last two rounds will be in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> and he's building Hampton Downs. He's putting the extension in. So up north, so there are only two tracks to North and South Island. And he'll get something like the Blolplonk series out here. or You know, there'll be something. So he's, he's good for it. But, you know, sometimes you've got to get these eccentric blokes that march their own tune because they get things done. It's as simple as that. They get things done. $20 million. It's not a rule by committee. I call it a benign dictatorship. Yeah. Uh, $20 million into Hampton Downs is going to be uh, a significant upgrade. He showed me some photos uh, a few months now of what was being done, and it just looked absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, Tony, give us your preview of Highlands 101. What are you thinking? I look. I think it's fantastic. I mean, there's heaps of those new McLarens and Audis and Ferraris and Lamborghinis and the whole lot. It'll be fantastic. I, you know, I've been wanting to see the track for a couple of years now, um, and looking forward to it. The whole venue looks to be uh, tremendous. What they've done there. Obviously, Queenstown as an area draws, you know, thousands and thousands of tourists every year. This is just another of the uh, giant fun festival of. Uh, what is it, the excitement capital of the world? Um, so, you know, it should be good. The race itself, I've got no idea on who's doing what. Plenty of uh, good drivers uh, sharing with lots of rich blokes, so it should be fantastic. And, Eric, what has it meant for that? It's based out of Christchurch there, and considering the troubles that Christchurch has had over the last five years, he must be almost one of the biggest employers that have been continually able to employ people. Yeah, I mean, there was during the building and the construction of the circuit because it's about, it's a fair old track to drive from Christchurch. Just about everybody flies into Queenstown 
And even then, it's a good 35 minutes, maybe 40 minutes drive at the Cromwell. It literally is in the middle of bloody nowhere. And um, But, he, you know, with the construction of it, and Tony did, and a full credit to him, he only employed New Zealand contractors, New Zealand, New Zealand um, raw material deliverers. So the guy is big on that community spirit, and he's built, because he, he's done that, he's built a massive community spirit down there, and the South Islanders love him. Because all these guys can, you know, travel up from Rupuna or Teratonga um, and places like and Invercargill, you know, places like that to come and watch this thing. But um, it's going to be a struggle for him to get if it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Is where to put everybody that, that mm. that's going to turn up because there's nothing really at the track yet. Knowing Quinny's probably got plans for a 600 bed casino stroke <laughs> conference centre stroke. High-rise apartment, stroke, whatever. Hang it on him. He'll just drag a ship, one of those big cruise ships. He'll just drag it in next to it. <laughs> he has. There's already got a three or four-star restaurant there, though. Yeah, it's a three-star restaurant. That um, that restaurant was always there, but he revamped it, ripped it out, put it in, hired a couple of chefs from up in Auckland here, and said, "All right, guys, bring me some stars." <laughs> and they have. Where, where's the Highlands 101 sit in the New Zealand motorsport psyche, though? Is it still one of those ones that's a slow burn, Eric, or has it has it got up a, a place in the front of mind of people? It hasn't really hit the front of mind because it's pretty much a standalone. You know, um, it's it's an interesting the 101 laps, and then you have a three-hour race before that, and I think an hour race before that. It's Craig. It's a, just it's, it's a one quickly, off. One off is like putting a race in Bunbury. <laughs> Yes, I, under, yeah. I understand. I understand that. But Eric, please. But um, it, but having you know, like it is, and the one I wanted, it's for the. I think we touched on it earlier. It's the gentleman racers who. I mean, there's one of our good little peddlers for years ago. Still very quick, John O'Lester. Primarily races that because the Trass family own, oh my God, gazillions of properties and money. So they decided that they wanted to race a Porsche. Ah, not a Porsche, sorry, Ferrari. So they've set up their own team. And Tony's got that Aston Martin and a few other bits and pieces that he gets his rich mates to come and race and they pair them all up. So it's like that sort of, you know, some of the series around where you get the, the Pro-Ams, basically. Mm-hmm. The 101, it, it doesn't get much traction in the, the normal press. It gets traction in the motoring press or motorsport press because of the cars, as Tony touched on, you know, the exotica that you get racing. But... You know, you won't see anything on, on, on in, in, in the normal press. You know, not like the V8 supercars that has, you know, the Kiwi runners and riders in it and all that sort of thing. But it's early days. Great. So who knows? If he starts getting other stuff or he can get the 101 as part of the, the GT series or the Blancplanc series or the World GT series, yeah, then it's going to have some have massive traction. Mm. All right, a break here on Inside Supercars and a final thought up next. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question... Email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level two the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought, Tony Whitlock. 
Oh, look, I was just going to say um, it was a terrific event to be at for Cowie. A bit thin on the ground with support categories. I mean, having Kenny Smith running around in a Toyota 86 and, and as well as Samuel Ute was a bit strange. Um, motorsport is much closer to the surface in New Zealand than it is in Australia. For that reason, you get good crowds. They had another, I don't know if it's another record crowd or whatever. It was 116,000 over three days. And that's big numbers at a permanent track like that, um, which is fantastic to see. Thoughts of having a second V8 supercar race in, Australia, in uh, New Zealand, it's just not going to happen. There's just not enough money here to do it. But it's great that they still come here and come here every year. Probably good that they came here. The weather was perfect over the three days. So I think it's fantastic and may it continue for many years to come. Will it ever leave Pookie? Only when the track reaches a stage where it's probably outgrown it and therefore they'll be at Hampton Downs. Mm. All right, then, Eric Thompson, a final thought. I have to uh, echo pretty much what Tony said, unfortunately, but I mean that in a nice way, Tony. Um, <laughs> completely agree with you. <laughs> I completely agree with you that... Pookie is going to be Pookie. They won't have two here. There'll be mumblings about it going to Hampton Downs at the moment. Why would you? AT had pony up quite a few million. It's, part of, it's one of the jewels in their um, entertainment and tourism traction crowns, and rightly so. So um, if you go to Hampton Downs, I can't imagine Hamilton or the Waikato, Waikato District Council ponying up money for V8 racing after the Hamilton fiasco. So you can forget about that. And the Hamilton, the, the problem with the Hamilton one, um, the Hampton Downs one, is that they did a survey about how many, how to get a thousand cars in and out of Hampton Downs. Took an hour, so it's a non-starter. You know, if you're going to get ten to fifteen thousand cars, locking up. You know, you're looking at a whole day just the cars in and out. So it's not going to happen um, in the next, I would say, five to seven years. Pukekohe is great. The drivers love it. A lot of them love the bumps, the changes of services. Team managers and engineers hate the place because it screws up with their data and their numbers and their projections. The drivers love it. Fans just think it's fantastic. You can see a lot of the circuit. And um, it's just a perfect place. It's just down the road. I think it was, you know, it, it, it's a good place to have it. And, yeah, as Tony said, 116,000 people turned out for New Zealand. Rugby-dominated, six-faced, narcissistic country on rugby. To get that many people to rock up to motorsport, I think it's fantastic. And the bottom line is, guys, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm, exactly. I got a final thought this week, and it comes around back to Red Bull Racing, who said, "Ah, was it not for Craig being a, a, an outside chance in the championship, we wouldn't bother." And they, you can counterpoint that with the year that Jamie Wing Cup went to Pukekohe. Jack Perkins got a hold of him in the uh, in the practice session, and he was out for the weekend. I think that underlines the work that this team did to keep Craig in the hunt and congratulate them, uh, congratulations to them for that. Eric, always great fun to have you on the show. Sorry, enjoy it. Guys, great, thank you very much. And good to talk again, Tony. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, gentlemen. Tony Whitlock also joining us there on Inside Supercars. That's all we have time for this week on the show. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.